This is the Bird Hugger Podcast with Katherine Greenleaf, the podcast for people who love birds. Welcome to the Bird Hugger Podcast. I'm Katherine Greenleaf, and I'm so glad to be with you. I'm on board for a full 30 minutes of talking all things birds and restoring native habitat. What happens when a burnt-out college professor living in New England decides to become a wildlife rescuer and rehabilitator? Find out on Bird Hugger, the podcast for people who love birds. Join host Katherine Greenleaf, who has been rehabilitating injured wildlife for 20 years, and hear how you can turn your backyard into a native oasis for birds. Hello there, everybody. We've got a special treat for you today. Today, we'll be talking with Nadim Shazad, one of the two brothers featured in the Academy Award-nominated documentary, All That Breathes. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. If you are enjoying this show and like what we do, please help us out by subscribing or following us on your favorite app to access our free show. That way you'll get notified of what's coming, you'll never miss a show, and it will help us in the ratings. The touching film All That Breathes has it all. Director Shaul Nexen chronicles humankind's connection to wildlife set against a backdrop of climate change, human overpopulation, air pollution, and religious extremism. At the heart of all of this controversy and chaos are the birds, who, as Nadim says in our interview, are just trying to live their lives. And now I'd like to introduce Nadim Shazad, one of the two brothers featured in the Academy Award-nominated film, All That Breathes. Together with his brother, Mohammed Saad, they have rescued and rehabilitated over 25,000 birds of prey over the last 15 years. Nadim, welcome to the show. We're so pleased you could join us. Now, can you tell our listeners how you became involved in rescuing and rehabilitating birds? From our very childhood, we used to help any bird or animal which we used to find. And uh, we used to take birds to a bird hospital. And when we find a kitten, we bring it to our home and we care for it. In the year 1994-95, we found a black kite, southern eye. We took it to the bird hospital where we used to go to take the pigeons there. And the staff there refused to trade that bird, said that it's a carnivore bird and they can't feed it. So they can't help in it. So they said, you, you have to take it back. Probably just drop that bird back to the same spot where we found it. And when the time goes by and we used to see a lot of black kites on the streets, and nobody used to take care of them and they were just lying on that road. And the year 2003, when we found a black tide and a, with a wounded wing again, so we're planning to just ignore it. But something changed in our mind and we said, why don't we take it to our house? Doesn't have any place to go. So we took it to our home and uh, we called the veterinarian. He came to our house and treated the bird. And after a few days, we got another one. And after a few days, we got another one. And we put them on the same rooftop. And we built a fence, a high fence around the walls of our rooftop so that no bird will be able to jump off without being 
flying dog. If the bird is capable of flying to a certain height, it can fly out because we don't have a topping at the one section of the bird enclosure. So if a bird is fixed and it's able to fly, then it can go. So this whole thing started from the year 2003, one bird at a time, and we never thought that it would be grow something big like this, what we have today. Wow, that's amazing. So now, can you tell our listeners about the black kite, a little bit about its biology and behavior? So in the background, you must be hearing a lot of bird calls. They are young black kites, which are under care at our center. The young ones, they are very active and right now there's something going on among themselves and they are just pushing around each other. This kind of situation, they become very vocal and they just yell at each other. Since we we have many of them in our clinic, so it kind of makes them uncomfortable too close to many birds of their own type which is goes against the nature of these birds they are kind of a lone birds and they do not flock they only seen in flocks when they are waiting for food in urban environment if you go to some forest or jungle you won't see a flock of black birds this is what how they just adapting to the urban ecology so it's a medium-sized raptor and in the U.S., you have a red tail hawk. It's about the same size. A hawk you have is more of a predator, and the kite is more of a scavenger. They do hunt other mammals, other birds, reptiles, but not regularly. And what is it about raptors that you like? Not exactly that we specifically want to go for raptors and want to start something for them. We saw that these birds need help, so we just start doing something for them. It was not that, that we loved raptors, that's why we were into saving raptors. I see. Now, the movie deals with the challenges that the kites face in New Delhi. Can you talk about some of those challenges? It's more like uh, they are getting an advantage of this urban setting. Urban ecology, they're finding a lot of food because of the large population of New Delhi and we produce a lot of garbage. It provides them food. And we have also have big slaughterhouses. India is a very big exporter of meat in the world. And the garbage dump just next to slaughterhouses, they attract a lot of birds, a lot of black kites, as the meat which is unsuitable for human consumption are dumped in the open on the top of these garbage dump. And thousands of kites, they come and eat that refuse. So they have a very good food source. And there's a tradition in old city of Delhi where people feed meat to them. They throw pieces of meat in the air and the bird come diving and they grab the piece of meat in midair and they get the food from it. So there's also this tradition of feeding black kites and there is a advantage of urbanization. They're getting a lot of food from the garbage dumps. What we have, slaughterhouses. It has a very good combination for them to grow. Also, in Delhi, there's a lot of green coverage, 
we have a lot of trees in some specific protected woodlands. So they have a very good uh, nesting space also. So the food and nesting space, I think is the most advantageous situation any wild bird can have. Now, what injuries do you see in the kites when they arrive at your hospital? Are the black kites coming in with head injuries or spinal injuries? Okay, so this is something called paper kite flying, and it is a very popular hobby in India. And like the other countries where people fly paper kites with the normal thread, and they just enjoy flying. In India, we have a undeclared competition between each and every kite flyer. And that is to cut other person's kite, the string of other person's kite. So what they use is a sharp thread, a normal thread, which is coated with powdered glass. So that the whole combination becomes very sharp. And uh, when a bird fly into one, a thread which is already in the air, they got a very severe cut wounds. And the shape of a bird is like that. Whenever they collide with a thread or they fly into a thread, it's always end up on their wings. So we don't see any bird which have a head cut because of a kite fang thread. It is always wings. So that is the number one source of injuries we get in these. Uh, we get about more than 3,000 birds every year. Most of them are raptors, black kites, and other birds of prey. And about 1,000 of them, they come with wounded wing just because of the kite flying thread. We also get some head injuries, like if they fly into a glass window or they get accidents with the cars or they fly into a fence. And when they fight between themselves for a female or for a nesting space at the breeding time. And sometimes we even get this methane burn cases where their feathers are burned. Some uh, medical issues like metabolic bone disease in young birds, where there's an imbalance of calcium, phosphorus, so it, it just uh, damages their bones, make them very brittle and rubbery kind, so they, they bend like polio in humans. Some cases are there what we call avian pox, where there's a lot of pox spread it all over their body, mainly non-feathered part, like around their deep face, in their legs. And so there's a variety of different, different cases which we get. And the two major ones are kite flying thread injuries and juveniles which falls off from the nest or they're trying to learn flying and and they end up on the ground and someone picks them up and brought it to our hospital or some other hospital for a treatment that they think that the bird is injured. It can't fly, but actually it's a young bird learning how to fly. We get about 1,200 of juveniles last year. And we had a very unusual summer last year. The weather is very hot. So we get about, on an average, 500 to 700 juveniles every year. But last year, because of the severe heat, we got about 1,200. So the two main reasons are tight flying thread and 
juveniles coming. Wow, that's a lot of birds. So now, is it exciting to be in a documentary nominated for the Academy Award? Yes, of course. We never thought that our story will be loved by so many people that we will get nominated for Oscars. This was something kind of surprising. But the whole year, we got a lot of awards, different places. This film has been very much praised and has been an excellent work done by Sean Aksan and his team. The cinematographer, the sound person, the producer, Aman, Teddy, and everyone who was behind this amazing work, which just got us at the Oscars in the end. Right. Now, what would you say about film reviewers who are saying that the documentary is transcendent and almost spiritual? By that, I don't mean religious, but I do mean spiritual. It's all depend. I think this is the film which was, it goes, I think, credit goes to Shauna while directing the film and editing the film. It was into like, the film should be poetic. Something like, the people should get immersed into it. Like when Saud and Salik talks about a nuclear war, it's feels like that you are sitting with them in the same room and watching them talking. Even this whole wildlife life thing around in the city is not just focusing on us. It was also how in Delhi, where you have so much pollution, so much population, so much waste issue, a lot of garbage, but the life still goes on. And you see a lot of animals, you can see just, they're just popping from every possible place and they're trying to live their lives. I think that is the something which made this film a complete package with all the story, all the direction, cinematography, sound, editing, Everything made, made this film as unique as what it is right now. Right. Now, will you be at the Academy Awards ceremony on Sunday? Yes, we are leaving on Thursday night. Me, Saud, and Salik, all three will be going to this Academy Awards ceremony. That's very exciting. Yes, it is. As we wrap up here, I just wanted to say that People like myself in the wildlife rehabilitation profession are very, very excited for you and everyone involved in the film. We have our fingers crossed that you will win. Thank you so much. I'd like to thank Nadim Shazad for joining us today. We wish you and the film the best of luck, and we hope you win the Academy Award for Best Documentary. Join Americans everywhere in the one-third for the birds movement. Dedicate the back third of your yard to birds and other wildlife. Make this area a quiet zone with no leaf blowers or lawnmowers. Plant native trees and shrubs so birds have plenty of insects to eat. Create a safe haven for birds to nest and raise their young. You will be rewarded with many hours of bird watching fun. For more information on one-third for the birds, go to the Bird Hugger page on Facebook. And that's it for today's episode, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Have a great week and enjoy the birds. Bye for now. Bye.